Is the pandemic responsible for a rise in porn addiction? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog The Magnificent Show? And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. If you hear a little scratchiness in my voice, uh, I'm coming down with something like cold or something. It's not COVID, folks. Uh, I know because I've had COVID seven months ago, and it doesn't come like this. And it's not. Uh, I've been sneezing a lot, so sneezing isn't part of that. So uh, anyway, uh, so that's what my voice situation is about. Not the lowness of it. That's always there. Just the nasalness and the scratchy uh, quality that I have today. Very excited to be having uh, the conversation we're about to be having tonight. Uh, not m- my first guest that has booked uh, an appearance on this topic tonight, uh, but it's the first one that actually showed up. <laughs> actually, uh, one of the other ones who, who wanted to speak on this subject uh, ha- actually happened on the day we had a power outage and I had to cancel on him, but uh, we've had several who did not show up for whatever reason. <laughs> so I'm finally going to get it because I do think this is an important issue that we're going to be discussing tonight. And we're going to be discussing uh, pornography and the uh, uh, online pornography and, and specifically how it's grown under uh, um, the conditions of COVID lockdown and, and shelter in place and uh, just a negative impact on society. And I think uh, it is gotten out of no pun intended out of hand uh it's really really getting very uh not that it wasn't always a a big problem but uh it's getting worse uh so before i uh bring him in i want to talk quickly about my sponsors get this out of the way and we can move to a uh what will be i think a very informative and compelling discussion uh let's start with Another vice that is online, uh, one that uh, actually, <laughs> um, well, it's it's not sexual of nature, of, of any kind of nature. So let's get right to it. Mybookie.com is a sponsor tonight. Uh, ironically, I wonder how much uh, gambling and, and pornography are linked together in some way uh, because the Internet is full of both. MyBookie.com is one of the most popular and trusted brands in the online gambling community. Its sportsbook offers an incredible variety of sports from American staples such as football and basketball to international sports such as KBO, rugby, and cricket. It even offers wages on entertainment and politics and simulated sports video games such as Madden 21 and NBA 2K21. If you're looking for a line on your favorite TV show, you can almost certainly find it at MyBookie. MyBookie's casino options are as plentiful as its sports books. There are 27 different table games such as blackjack and roulette and almost 300 unique slot options 77 of which are 3D. You can even play live table games and video poker. Get started with them. It's really simple. You just go to mybookie.com and uh, put in the promo code MINDDOG and they are going to match your first donation up to $1,000. What that means is if you put down $1,000 that you want to bet with, that's going to instantly become Two thousand dollars. You can't. Uh, you can't do that in any other place. We'll just double your money automatically. Uh, so again, it's mybookie.com, and the promo code is MindDog. Uh, other than that, we have uh, another sponsor tonight: Funwise Capital. 
Uh, Funwise Capital is not a vice of any kind, I'm happy to say. <laughs> Funwise Capital is a, a business lender matching platform that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You notice I said start, like with a little extra emphasis there, start. That's because if you don't have a business, but you got a solid business plan, and I mean a solid business plan, not just a, a whim or an idea, but documentation with accountants and marketing directors and a good solid business plan that can help you get funding, get the best funding you can qualify for. The strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Uh, they provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months, unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate startups, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started with them, very simple. You just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. I do appreciate you patronizing my sponsors, and the links, as always, <coughs> will be in the description. I Pardon me for the voice problems tonight, folks. Um, Joshua Shea is a pornography addiction expert. Uh, he's an author and a TEDx uh, talk speaker who has authored a book, Porn and the Pandemic, How Three Months in 2020 Changed Everything. It comes from MSI Press, uh, and the narrative is about the world of online porn, both from the addictive users and the amateur creator's point of view, and how it basically changed overnight during the coronavirus. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Joshua Shea to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Joshua, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me tonight. Uh, uh, th thanks for coming. I think it's a really important uh, subject. Now, uh, before we get into how it, you know, how Corona virus um and and the reaction to it the lockdown and the shelter in place changed all this stuff um what what led you to uh the path that you're on as far as uh becoming a por pornography addiction expert because there are still people who uh kind of look at it as, as a harmless uh vice in our society something that you know it's a, a victimless crime or and it's not really a crime it's not a crime at all but uh it, it's a victimless hobby i guess uh could talk a little bit about how you got uh where you are today yeah well the first step to being an expert was 24 years of deep deep research as a pornography addict myself wow uh, and yeah i started as a probably about a 12 year old boy um and my my story is very very textbook for most porn addicts um around 90% of porn addicts have trauma based on some kind of abuse in their past, whether it's physical, sexual, or mental, emotional. Um, there are very high numbers of uh, that kind of abuse within porn addicts, like I said, around 90%. Uh, to compare that, for instance, alcohol, and I was also an alcoholic. I kicked both at the same time. Um, with alcoholics, only about 65% actually have trauma uh, in their background that leads them to the addiction. So that shows you kind of the wide gulf between the two, uh, even though mind-wise, addiction is addiction is addiction, and we can get more into that. But yeah, it was one of these things where I uh, was shown hardcore pornography by an older cousin when I was about 12 years old, and it was like my life changed in an instant. When people say, how long did it take you to become an addict? I can tell them that it was 
seconds, if that, if even that. And wow. I can't tell you what I saw on the page that day. I can't tell you the name of the magazine, but I can tell you that this feeling came over me of calmness, of like, it was almost like a warm light came in from above. And the only other time I ever felt that was about two years later, the first time that I ever got drunk. And from that point forward, whether I was in high school or college or early in my professional career or later on, or whether I had girlfriends or not, or was married or, or whatever, the two things that I could always count on in life, when my life got stressful, when I got full of anxiety, when I felt out of control, the two things that I could go back to and count on uh, were number one, alcohol, and even more importantly, and taking a much bigger role in my life, was pornography um, up till about seven years ago when I finally uh, went into treatment for both at the same time. Holy smokes. So 12 years old. So was it online pornography? No, no, it was a magazine. I'm guessing it was a, a penthouse or a hustler. It was, you know, it was, it was quite graphic. And uh, I think I had seen Playboys before that. I yeah. know that I had seen, you know, naked people on TV, I'm sure on a HBO or National Geographic, but something about the, the uh, more explicit sexual nature hmm. of what I was looking at. I assume, I assume that's what it was because who knows exactly, you know, why it was porn and, and not gambling or, or not heroin or not food. Right. But for me, it was porn. And then a couple years later, like I said, I discovered alcohol as well. You could go back to me being in ninth grade when I'm 14, 15 years old. I would, if I didn't have any activities after school, I would ride my bike home from school quickly get something to drink. Then I would ride about a mile down to uh, a more uh, commercial part of town. There was a mom and pop video store that I would rent movies from. I've always been a huge movie buff um, going back to being a little kid. And one day I finally got up the nerve to go into that back room with the <laughs> swinging saloon doors. And uh, <laughs> this was uh, this. You, I, I hear a laugh of recognition. Well, uh, but and, the saloon doors makes me laugh. They because why I've seen, you know, video stores because no, most people don't remember video no, stores. No. But they did uh, most of them when they had that pornography <laughs> section in the back did have those kind of yeah, western sweet. swinging doors exactly, for some reason. exactly and this was also back when blockbuster was just starting to become big so these mom and pops they would rent to anything to anybody to make their dollar so i would my uh my my routine in high school was to go to the video store rent two pornographic movies and then i would go to this little convenience store which was just a couple stores away and i would always buy three or four beers i never had the guts to bring a six pack up but i'd pick up three or four bottles bring them to the front and those people never blinked. I'd buy those. So there I am, 14, 15 years old, riding my bike home uh, with my backpack on and bottles clinking and the plastic cases of the videos in there. And before my parents came home, I'd have one or two beers and watch one of the movies. And then five hours later, when everybody had gone to bed, uh, and I had a VCR in my room, uh, I would pop in the other movie, finish the other beer or two, and... That was my life as, as a kid in high school that nobody knew about whatsoever. Holy smokes. So uh, what state were you in? I'm in Maine. I've, have always, so, I've always lived here. 
So I'm thinking the age of consent, of legal consent, there was would be 18 for buying at the time, of, at the because time you certainly couldn't have passed 21. the 21. No, really, it was, 20, it was 21. It was 21 um, to buy alcohol. It was 18 to uh, rent pornography. I right. think I don't know if there were actually laws on the books about renting porn it, or not. I I don't know if this. I don't even think people still rent porn because those. Yeah. Those video stores are long gone. Well, and, there's no, yeah, you can't find a VCR, much less anything. Yeah. Right. I had a guest on today, and we kind of touched on this a little bit because he's a lawyer who has authored books on obscenity and decency laws and, and stuff like that. And we talked about online pornography. And you bring up, you know, and he said very, very clearly to me, we're not talking about Playboy or, or Hustler anymore. You know, the stuff that's online today is just like so far, uh, down the the imaginary uh, rabbit hole on on what uh, you know what pornography well, means these days that it it's really bizarre and young kids are getting hooked on that. Well, that's it. And I tell people you can find the softest of the soft core and the hardest of the hardcore and everything in between. And yeah, absolutely. You know, people who are my age, your age. We had to find a magazine somewhere when we were a kid. We had to stumble upon it in dad's drawer or something. And now we give every 12-year-old kid the greatest porn computer in the world with their iPhone. Right. And say, go right. on your way. I I'm too scared to talk to you about porn. So here's your phone. Only use it in emergencies and go on your way. Right. And that's just that's giving kids either you know the keys to the kingdom or you know the keys to the gates of hell depending on uh, what direction they go. Yeah, it's a really scary thing, and I think particularly for young people. I, and uh, so you you started at almost twelve years old or around twelve years old. Is that typical of where that addiction starts, or can it start in adulthood? Uh, it's very rare to start in adulthood. Uh, I was a little early. Most most guys talk about uh, don't talk about the first time they saw it, but say they got into it pretty fast. Uh, most guys who were my age got into it more around fifteen or sixteen because that's when they were really introduced to it. Uh, back in my age, the average uh, male saw it for the first time at fifteen. Now the average male sees it for the first time at eleven. So you're getting much you're getting much younger. The average first, average female sees it for the first time at twelve now, and it was seventeen back when it was you know when I was younger. So the internet has really dropped these uh, numbers down and these age rates down. And parents need to recognize, and society as a whole needs to recognize, it's not now a matter of if your kids are going to see porn. It's a matter of when yeah. and i'm sorry that in 2020 you need to porn proof your kid you know just be happy it's not 1952 and you don't have to teach them air raid drills things right. things change and you do need to talk about pornography with your kids these days. well i did kind of mention that to uh, today and uh to uh my guest and said you know what no matter how hard you try kids are smarter than their, their parents Absolutely. as far as using uh devices and stuff uh, so uh, i mean ke keeping up with that you really have to babysit them 24 hours a day to to keep well, away that's, from it. that's the thing that I say is that, you know, I'll, I, I, uh, before this COVID stuff was doing presentations in libraries at colleges and whatnot. And I'd often have parents come up to me and say, I think we have things handled because we have 
uh, on their tablets and on their smartphones, we've got filters. And I said, okay, well, maybe your kid is one of the rare ones that can't break the filter because um, most of them can. But let's say your kid can't break the filter. What happens tomorrow when your 12-year-old kid is standing at the bus and some kid has a smartphone and his parents don't put filters on and that kid holds up whatever the latest Pornhub video is? What is your kid going to do? What is your kid going to say? How is your kid going to react? If you right. don't know how your kid is going to react, you haven't porn-proofed your kid. Right. Um, are women as susceptible to becoming addicted to porn as men? Because you mentioned that oh, you're 12, 12 or I think you said 12 is the first time. 12 girls. is the first time most women or most females are seeing it now. Right. So can, can, are they as susceptible to being addicted to it as men? The numbers are catching up, especially with younger women. There still are certain taboos in society, and I think stigmas attached to women watching, and I think that's why some uh, are, are staying away more than men. But you have to look at it this way. The porn industry in the 70s and 80s was geared towards the straight white male. And back then, it cost a lot to make a movie, and it cost a lot to distribute a movie. So they had to go, these studios and movie theaters had to go for the audience they knew that existed. Well, what's interesting today is that while straight white men are the uh, biggest uh, reporters of porn addiction, the uh, three fastest growing groups are white women, black men, and people who are either Catholic or LDS. And, <laughs> and, 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 and But the thing is, because we all have sex organs, we all have sexuality, it's just that now that I can make movies, you know, I can make a porn movie tomorrow morning and have it making money by the afternoon online. It doesn't cost much to do this anymore. So movies are being created that are being targeted to these smaller audiences that were never targeted any in the past. So you do see these other, you know, uh, these other groups like women or like minorities who are being targeted. And that's why their rates are starting to explode. We've always been straight white males like me have always been targeted. Now right. they're going after these other people. So you're seeing those numbers go up. And I have a feeling at some point it's probably going to level out and be pretty much the same across uh, across the ages and the genders and the uh, religions and, and, and races. I, I don't think there's going to be a difference because we're all sexual creatures. Right. I laughed. And I don't mean to laugh but because <laughs> it's a serious subject. But when you put <laughs> Catholic and uh, I, I'm sure some Catholic people <laughs> hearing that they're lumped in with the LBTG <laughs> group. No, well, I said L LDS. LDS. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, no, LDS. What's actually interesting is that <laughs> is that gay people are among the lowest viewers of porn. Yeah. Uh, according to the statistics that are out there, yet it's the second largest genre of porn. So wow. I don't I don't know I don't know why it doesn't match up out there. Oh, that sounds bad. Uh, it means that there's a lot of people in the closet still. Which yeah, it, exactly, I mean, well, exactly, it, exactly. They uh, won't admit to it. Right. So uh, before we get too much down that road of how cheap it is to, because uh, I do want to talk about that and how how it's more proliferated because of the ease and and the way you know everybody has a television studio in their pocket now. Right. Just a little bit more on this. I uh, the idea of addiction now i've dealt with a lot of addicts in my life and heroin addicts will tell you and most drug addicts will tell you that the first time 
is heaven and they spend the rest of their life trying to recreate that first time and never can and they have to go harder and deeper uh is it the same way with pornography and is that absolutely the brain chemistry is 95 percent the same from addiction to addiction to addiction you know the it's not cocaine isn't about your nose porn isn't about what's between your legs you know uh eating addiction isn't about your stomach it's about what's going on between your ears and it's the same brain chemistry from addiction to addiction to addiction obviously they manifest with different side effects and some can be more physically dangerous some can be more mentally dangerous but uh yeah addiction is largely the same regardless of the substance or behavior right so now you mentioned and so that would treat would tend to make people like with a heroin addict want to do more want to do stronger longer, purer. And so uh, that I think I'm guessing that that um, concept that you just talked about, it would lead people to want to have more shocking and more uh, absolutely pushing the envelope. Type absolutely. Of and how much longer they look. One of the things that I, I work with uh, addicts and their partners in, on online coaching, and one of the things that I hear again and again and again and again, especially during this pandemic time, from addicts that I sit down and tell myself, I'm going to be in front of the computer for 30 minutes, one hour, but... I can't find that perfect piece of porn. I can't find that one that's just, that's the end. I'm done. And Mm. two hours go by, three hours go by. I talk to guys who are looking at porn six, seven hours, trying to find that perfect piece of porn, not because it's got a big breasted lady or it's got, you know, whatever kink they want. It's because it's not hitting their brain. It's not giving them that high that regular porn or you know one man one woman might have given them in the beginning uh right. they can't find they can't flood their dopamine receptors because they're not finding the porn that's doing it for them right okay so we're almost ready to move on to the next that the next part about you know how easy it is and all that stuff but i i'm i'm kind of uh so you mentioned soft pork corn uh, soft core porn it's difficult soft pork corn uh, that sounds tasty porn. yeah i know um <laughs> Is there such a thing anymore? And I, I'm trying not to be prudish about that. This and thinking that reasonable adults should be able to look at uh, and a movie that might have some sexuality in it, even nudity in it, and not get, not make turn it into an addiction where they need. Right. So, is there st- like what you would consider I- soft court? Well, I, tough yeah, for, for, <laughs> I, uh, I, I first would say that I truly believe that. Uh, much like alcohol, much like gambling, uh, you know, porn is legal. And I believe that there are plenty of people who can utilize porn and not have it turn into a problem. Just like there are people who can have one or two beers. I'm not one of them, but, but there are people who can do that. There are people, you know, I can go to a casino and play three hands of blackjack and five minutes of slots and leave. I don't have that gambling gene, but I get how people have it. And when it comes to pornography, there is, you know, pornography, we can all agree is a certain thing. It's, it is the back of the video store movies. You know, there's, there's no question that, you know, when it's associated with, you know, triple X's, but the reality is pornography is anything uh, visual or written that is used to stimulate and used to arouse. I mean, I, 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 
uh, I use this uh, example from when I went to uh, inpatient rehab for porn and sex addiction. And we talked about what was and what wasn't pornography. And I talked about how at the time I had a teenage daughter and I had my wife and they would get so many Victoria's Secret catalogs. Now, women in lingerie never did it for me at all. And those catalogs were junk mail to me. They just filled up the house, both end tables. They were crap. I couldn't stand them. However, I met a man in rehab who that's all he looked at. He didn't right. like porn. He didn't like nudity. He liked lingerie. So for me, it's a junk mail. For him, it's his A-plus porn go-to. So what's softcore, what's hardcore, what's acceptable or not, that's really... It's in the eye of the beholder. It's how you're utilizing it. I mean, if you you can, of course, you can watch movies with nudity and sexuality and not develop a problem. Um, I think that you know some of the greatest movies and some of the greatest stories told have sexual elements to them because we're all sexual creatures. The question is: Is it healthy sexuality or is it unhealthy sexuality? That's more the question. Uh, to me versus what the porn is and everybody's sexuality is different and couples when they get together their sexuality as a couple is different than individuals so that's really where i think people have to watch out more than what it is specifically they're watching itself right uh yeah i i, I understand that and it, that's a good point that you know uh pornography is pornography if if it ends up stimulating you to do unhealthy things i guess right. uh, but you know i i look back and what because my memory of when i had television in like uh i think probably the 80s or 90s whatever it was uh cinemax like uh, you, you know at 11 o'clock on a friday oh, night yeah. they would be running movies but it wasn't hardcore and there were right. no external uh cum shots or any of that right. stuff on, uh, and so but and i thought of that as you know harmless entertainment for adults if especially if they're watching it as couples and it leads to more romantic making whatever all that stuff is but you know when it you know when it comes to kids seeing um you know the most depraved see and it's not even something you know uh that people would really find pleasure a sane person would find pleasurable now it's just like let's see as depraved and ugly and and uh devoid of uh any kind of real, you know, sex and love went a lot in different directions many years ago, but now it seems like they're completely uh, dis disenfranchised from each other. Like sex is over here and, and love is over here. So I think that's unhealthy. Let's move on to this idea of um, how easy it's become, and, and you, you talk about that and proliferating. Now, how does how does that how what? role did COVID play in this? And you talk about three months to change everything in 2020. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, it was uh, one of these things where um, we here in America weren't quite paying attention. And Europe has always been a few weeks ahead of us when it comes to the COVID and coronavirus. And in early March, uh, Pornhub, which is the internationally the, the largest porn site, um, they offered free access to the residents of France, Italy, and Spain to the premium side of their of their website. And overnight, there was a 65% jump in people using their website from 2019 to 2020, year over year. Um, that was in Italy. Spain wasn't quite as high. France wasn't quite as high. But it was 30, 40% increase. And over that, that next week, when it was free porn it or free premium porn, uh, 
Pornhub was collecting these people's uh, credit card numbers. They were they would say at the end of the week, if you don't cancel, we're going to charge you nine ninety nine. And if you look at the Pornhub premium sites statistics from then, they were having three hundred and four hundred percent user uh, or people using it year over year. A couple of weeks later, when coronavirus kind of spread through North and South America, uh, Pornhub opened it up to everybody in the world. And it just, it, it absolutely exploded at that point. And you look at the top three major uh, porn websites across the world, and they were uh, all reporting triple digit use. Um, so people or increase, I should say. So people around the world, all of a sudden, they're stuck at home. All of a sudden, they can't be out with friends. If they are of a social act, active social life, or even active, you know, casual sex life, that all shuts down overnight. What is their outlet going to be? Well, it moves over and becomes pornography. So I started. Uh, I I pitched the idea of this book real fast to my uh, publisher, <laughs> and they loved it. So I started interviewing immediately. And what I found when I talked to addicts was that those addicts who had two years of sobriety or less were all falling off the wagon, usually about three, four weeks into the lockdown. That was when they kind of hit their wall and they couldn't handle it anymore. And the techniques that they used, whether it's going to a 12-step meeting or meeting friends or doing something, they couldn't do it because the coronavirus stopped them. So they fell back into these negative behaviors. In the group between two and five years, you saw some people fall off the wagon. And then five years are over. Most of them stayed okay. So the less time you had in uh, sobriety, people were falling off the wagon. And it was, and I talked to, you know, 18-year-old females and 72-year-old guys. It was across the board. It didn't matter. Right. Um, perhaps even more interestingly, and I think that we've seen this expand um, throughout this year, and I wrote about the beginning of it uh, in the book, is that I think 2020 is going to be remembered as the year where we can trace back to not just pornography consumption, becoming a real and a you know epidemic i believe that pornography creation is going to be seen at some point in the near future as an addiction i think it's just the opposite side of the consumption coin because what we have now is when we went into lockdown all of these men and women who work in service industries you know the 18 to 25 year olds who are waitresses waiters bartenders they work in retail all of their places shut down and because a lot of them are tipped employees they didn't they weren't eligible for unemployment uh, at the same rates that people who had regular jobs so what are they supposed to do to pay their rent what are they you know what can they look towards well this is the generation that grew up on the internet this generation has a higher tolerance for pornography, has a higher tolerance for nudity, has a higher tolerance for the depiction of sex. So they start doing do-it-your-own porn at home. There's a website called OnlyFans that if you're under 35 years old, it's part of your everyday culture. If you're over 35 years old, 
you probably never heard of it. I never it, heard of it, but I'm well over 35. It's, it's, it's well, but, but the thing is, the gulf is that wide. It is part of their everyday younger youth culture. And here's here's what 2020 is, is, is about. On January 1st, 2020, there was about 300,000 people worldwide who were making pornography to post on this site. And when I say making pornography, it can range anywhere from, you know, R-rated to triple X-rated. The person who makes it is in control. They charge the viewer what they want to charge. The viewer decides whether they want to see it or not. It's probably the safest way to do this, you know, outside, you know, it's not stripping. It's not uh, escorting. It's, it's not being actually in porno movies. They control it. And I think that makes it a lot safer and acceptable in a lot of their eyes. So we had 300,000 people January 1st, 2020. By January 1st, 2021, uh, there were going to be between 1.3 and 1.5 million people making pornography for this one site alone. Holy moly. So uh, th th but think about this. When you and I were younger, when it was just the Hollywood porn industry, there was probably, what, one, two thousand porn stars at a time, maybe? Now, uh, when, when, I, when I was a kid, there were, there were two. <laughs> well, and, but that's the thing. There, 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 were, there were not many, so you couldn't study this. Right. But now we have, you know, just this one site has 1.3 million people porn stars and i use that term loosely when i started right. when i started to interview some of these people for my book what i kept hearing was that yes i i, I like to do this the money is great but I, a lot of these people, both men and women, were telling me, well, what I like is that people tell me that I look special or people tell me that I'm smart or that I'm funny or, you know, I have guys who are, you know, guys will ignore me in real life, but I've got guys who are willing to spend $100 on me if I just say the word. So you've got this group of men and women online who the money is good, but what they're really enjoying is the dopamine rush of being told they're special, of being told they're wonderful, of feeling like they're somebody for the first time in their lives. And what that makes me wonder is in 20 years, 25 years, are we going to see women who are 45 and 50 who are still chasing that dopamine rush, making pornography online, probably only making one-tenth the money they're making now, but they just can't give it up because they need that dopamine rush. They need that feeling. They need that release, much like the guys on the other end of the computer who were looking at them who have the addiction. So I think 2020 uh, is going to be remembered as being able to be traced back to the year that porn addiction as making it is that going sucks. to That really existing. sucks. I yeah. mean. 2020 has sucked for a lot of reasons, but that, that would make it suck even more. Um, I, I want to respond to a couple of things you said there because I, I'm, uh, I was a little confused when you started there with the uh, website that offered premium that saw a huge increase. Now, I, I get that a lot of people had fallen off the wagon, people who, who had their whatever addiction, whether it was pornography or alcohol or drugs or whatever, uh, kind of go back to it under lockdown because, you know, we give people enough time and, and boredom and, and they'll find their way back to trouble often. But uh, generally, as an ex-marketing person, I'm thinking 
to get somebody to go uh, upgrade to premium on anything, they had they, they're regular users of the site. So to me, it, it doesn't make sense that they would see an increase in traffic unless they were outwardly marketing somehow. And where do porn sites actually outward market? I mean, I I, I don't know. I I've never seen an ad. I couldn't say I've never, maybe in Vegas once or twice, but I've never seen an ad like uh, in a prominent place where, for, you know, porn sites. Like, you don't see them on billboards. You don't see them, do you? Uh, you, ever, you, ever, you ever seen an ad for ice cream? Y- yeah. I bet you haven't in a long time. Uh, no, I don't watch television anymore. No, I, but, I, but that's, you won't, <laughs> you, but, but there were, there were no ads on TV for cigarettes anymore. Right. People stop smoking? No. The thing oh, I is, get, I get your 80, point. Yeah. 80, 80%, 80% of men under 50 look at porn at least once a month. Right. I, I'm, 40, I'm, I'm, 40, they're, already, they're already on the sites, is my point. That, that's what I was getting yeah, at. They're no, already so, there. So that upgrade to premium really was just for the people that were already there. So I, that's what makes me think, like, how did it increase the volume of people that were already there? It's just a confusing thing for me as a marketing person. Not, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't doubt your numbers at no, all. No, if you I'm understand just, website hits what you have is when you're the, one of the things that was bigger the duration the average person wasn't spending nine minutes on a website anymore they were spending 14 right. that's a lot more clicks that's a lot more ads that's a lot more being inundated with click over to this website click over to this website okay. uh, so you had a lot of that and then you have just other places like a, a reddit for instance which is replete with porn. It's replete with people who just like to talk about porn. They share information. And with this free porn all over the world thing, it was actually a lot of mainstream media covered it because it was such a novel thing. Um, in my in my book, I actually reprinted a press release from a website. It wasn't one of these top three, but it was a site that was trying to get more cam models because they were losing them. And they specifically targeted furloughed McDonald's employees. That's how specific they got with things is that, you know, do you want to get away from the fry later and make some real money while well, you're sitting at home doing nothing while Ronald McDonald is counting his money? You know, this is where it got in the first few months of the coronavirus was that all of these sites were competing for bodies to be on there because so many people started to watch this one site I mentioned where it went from 300,000 to 1.3 to 1.5 million, they also went from 8 million users, um, viewers, to 50 million viewers. So that's an increase, you know, 42 million. I don't know what the percentage overall of that is, but it's huge. And right. that's the thing is that we're already looking at porn and porn is much like, you know, produce in your fridge it only lasts so long then it goes bad then you need new stuff and people are always searching for new porn once you've used it once there's no use to go back and look at the same thing again right i'd like you you to listen to this uh little story and give me your uh based on what you just said uh, respond to it uh and because you talked about you know young girls doing this and sometimes it can go into older women doing it i could see that and i for a long time i've said you know i I feel bad for these girls who are doing it young girls who are doing it now and then when they get to be grandmothers their grandchildren are going to find you know pornography if god if i saw my grandmother in a pornography pornography movie or any kind of video right now i think it would kill me i'd probably have a heart attack and die that's a whole different subject but you talked about young girls and and older women doing it. i had a guest on the show who was a comedian a guy 
an older man like me, and this almost 60, I'm, I'm in my 60s, he was almost my age, he had a scruffy beard, he had diabetes, uh, really bad, and so to the point where he was losing one eye, one eye, and I asked him where he was performing comedy. He said, I'm not performing comedy right now. I'm a sex worker. Said, what? He said he's doing sex acts. And now he's living in his car. He's a homeless guy with his wife living in the car with him. And he's doing sex acts on his phone uh, and and making a living that way or, or, or making whatever, scratching out whatever a meager living, living in your car in a Target parking lot uh, mall is. Uh, anyway, uh, I said to him, like, who is buying who is paying you to play with yourself on, on while you hold your phone in the other hand uh, it's like is it creepy old guys and he said no it's a lot of young girls I, young girls he said you'd be surprised they have a daddy a daddy issue daddy complex something like that and i was like well you're not doing it doing it to child you know children under the age are you and he said no but i, I how do you know he couldn't answer that so it's a complicated thing but the idea that you know, scruffy old men with one eye are doing it. Uh, <laughs> and who's paying for that? And so you you talk about the proliferation of it. There's that, too. It's not just young girls. Or is, no. he, is he the lone? No, he no, the- no. I mean, he, there's uh, among his age group that there is a much smaller minority doing it because there's a much smaller call for it. Uh, you know, it, it, it sounds like a very specific fetish. You would uh, think, but he's he said he said he does five a day. Yeah, well, but I, I, I know women who were doing, you know, not know them, but I've talked to them who are doing 20 to 25 a day. Um, and, 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 and that's only because that's all they can fit into a day. They right. could be going 24 seven if they, if they, uh, you know, had the robotic stamina to do it. Um, that's, that's the thing is that, you know, there is something for everybody out there now. There is something for every, you know, taste, flavor, whatever you want to see. Uh, that that's it. That's what's on the that's what's on the internet, and that makes for me. When I had my pornography addiction, and I learned this through the uh, the recovery process, my pornography addiction. A lot of it was about control. My alcoholism was just about numbing my feelings. My pornography addiction was about control because when you think about it. To get somebody on the other end of the computer, whether it's just a video or whether it's actually live action, to do what you want them to do, that's a hell of a lot of control. That control is intoxicating. You know, when if I wanted to see, a, you know, a black guy and a Chinese lady, I could find it. If I wanted three white people and a midget, I could find it. You can find whatever you want out there, whatever, you know, whatever your taste is, you can find it out there. And that's that's the thing is that, you know, I'm sure there are less looking for these old guys than looking for, you know, the standard girl, but the internet has has brought this to us and we don't know how to use it. We don't know what the dangers are you know these girls who have daddy issues should be in therapy talking about their daddy issues not working them out with you know hobo joe who once was a funny man and is now jacking it in his front seat for 15 dollars right well with all that said it you know we try to be solution based here is there a solution for for any of this as a society and if so you know, because we've gone down the road of people trying to legislate decency and all that stuff, and that's what what 
to all this whole discussion today has been about you know the idea that we can legislate de decency and, and and morals and and good behavior i don't think we can but even if we try it on like on an individual basis like you're saying that young girl should be in therapy uh that's a hard road too do you do you, are you optimistic for any kind of solution here do you have any uh insight into how if if yeah. parents and society start to take it seriously, yes, we need to be able to talk about it. Now, you and I, you know, we've joked around a little bit, but we haven't had a graphic discussion yet. We've been talking about pornography the whole time. It's possible. I think that parents need to have very uh, direct uh, conversations with their children, but I think they have to be age appropriate. It's okay at seven years old to say, if you see a, somebody has a phone or a computer with a naked person on it, just come and tell me if one of your friends shows you it. And also, don't let anybody take pictures of you without your swimsuit on. And you don't take pictures of anybody without your swimsuit on and leave it at that. And right. at nine years old, there's a different talk. And at 11 years old, there's a different talk. What I think what a lot of parents make the mistake of today, if they talk about pornography at all, is that they include it as part of the birds and bees speech. And pornography does is not part of that speech. Pornography right. is part of the stay away from alcohol till you're 18. You can't smoke in my house. When you're 18, you can make your own decisions. And most kids, they'll experiment, but they generally follow their parents' rules for the most part if they're made. And... I think that that's what we needed to go. And we need these kids also to understand uh, that pornography can lead to addiction, that it can lead to negative behaviors. The very last uh, presentation I was able to give before COVID was at a health center at a college here in New England. And it was for a female sexuality group. And there was about 18, 20 young women there. At the end of my speech, one of the women uh, raised her hand and said, I don't know about the other girls here, but have you ever talked to anybody um, around our age who hates having sex with virgin men? And I saw a lot of eyes light up and I was like, uh, no, what, what does this have to do with pornography? And she said, well, I'm just putting this together now. You talk about how boys see porn at 12 years old, how they're now addicts at 14. If they're not having sex till 17 or 18, porn is becoming their sex ed. And while those of us who are have been in relationships or have had sex or, or you know, know something about it, we recognize that porn is fiction. Porn is not a documentary. But these boys who are growing up, even the most vanilla one-man, one-woman porn, the man is being aggressive. He's saying horrible things. He's bending the woman in all kinds of shapes. And all of these videos end the exact same way in a way that almost no husband-wife ever in the sex act. And, right. and that's the thing is that they see these boys see this as reality. So these young women don't want to have sex with these guys because they don't want to have to train them. They don't want to have to reteach them. They don't want to be treated like a porn star. They know what's supposed to happen. So even aside from addiction, when people say, you know, what's the harm of porn? This is the harm of porn. It's poisoning young guys' minds before they ever have sex. It's sex ed for these guys these days. And what we need to do is not only teach them this, but things like porn-induced erectile dysfunction. This is something with guys in their late teens, early 20s in really scary numbers. These guys can only get an erection or can only have an orgasm if they are seeing pornography. They can have the most sexy girlfriend laying naked in bed 
and they need porn to get off. That's what's happened to their mind at this point. And I worked with a young couple last year in in one-on-one coaching who had this issue, and it was just it's tragic. And I just think that you know these that they they had to have porn as part of their normal interactive sex life. If they wanted to have a baby, porn had to be playing in the room. I mean, think think about that, how twisted that is. And I think that if we tell these boys that, you know, 14, 15 years old, if you look at too much porn, here's what can happen. This is this guy oh, looked at too much yeah. porn at your age. Here's what can happen. Essentially, your penis can break. If you watch too much <laughs> porn, and you know what, that you can say that's scaring them, but maybe that's what we need to do a little bit of, and let because uh, I think a lot of this does land on the guy's shoulders still, and will for another generation. Um, I think that we need to teach our teenage boys that there is drawbacks to too much pornography. There is drawbacks to believing what you're seeing in the pornography. And I think that if we do this age-appropriate, you know, unveiling of what pornography is and how it's out there with our kids, I think that's what's going to stop the scary numbers from happening. You know, I, I feel horrible for someone who's 25 or 35 or 45 who has addiction, who has problems. I think they're going to have to do what I did, which is get some you know, intense one-on-one therapy, perhaps rehab, 12-step groups, whatever their road is. They have to do it one at a time. But as a societal thing, we have to deal with our kids before they become addicts. That's the only way I see us dealing with this. Right. Uh, well, I appreciate all that insight. Now, uh, my response to that is I might be a different kind of, of person because um, as an older guy who played, I, I hate to make it because it sounds like I'm being a little bit of an ego head here. I'm not. I'm just pointing out uh, as an older guy who played in bands, I had a lot of younger girlfriends and every, you know, yep. so my when I was 45, I had a 29 year old girlfriend and she said to me, uh, before we a- actually had sex, I mean, we, we were just kind of, uh, and, and we didn't on the first date, which she thought was kind of weird that a guy didn't push us on, on the first date. And, but on a second or third date, she said to me, the only thing I'm going to say to you is don't, uh, don't ask me for gang bangs and invite your friends over. And if you ask me to be with other women, you know, that that's a turnoff. And I was like, what? And, and so she learned this stuff from pornography and from, from the oh, pre- probably previous other, other musicians, probably too. Right. Oh, private. I was going to say from her previous boyfriends who yeah. were, were also into pornography. But for me, it was like, what? What are you talking? I, I would never <laughs> ask my girlfriend to be involved in a gangbang. I'm sorry, right. but so that's part of it. And the other thing you mentioned, erectile dysfunction. I've been saying that for years. I mean, it's it's somewhat natural when you get to be my age in your sixties to have uh, occasional. Right occasional not if it's chronic it's 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 serious it's it's probably some underlying medical issue but for young men to be needing viagra or any of those products out there uh that i think porn is 100 percent, or chronic masturbation is 100 yep. percent behind that and probably pornography that leads to that chronic masturbation so uh, uh i think that's a real problem and i it's it's hard to see that's uh, society doesn't recognize that when we're inundated with these 
pills and whatever. Um, we're, we're still a puritanical society that wants to pretend we don't have sex, that we don't, we're not naked under these clothes. When, when I can tell that an audience is kind of, you know, a little bit more, I don't, not necessarily liberal, but a little bit more open-minded, a little bit more jovial, you know, if it's a younger audience or sometimes even at libraries, I'll do this. I'll walk out and People, oh, it's the guy who's going to talk about porn. And the <laughs> and the first thing the first thing I do is okay, show of hands, who masturbates here? <laughs> no, the they, other hand. Well, no, they look at they, every, usually just like this, and I'm like, oh, okay, I see your hands are busy. <laughs> and, immediately, and immediately they start laughing, and then we can have a nice conversation because we have this puritanical, it's sex, it's nudity, it's about the things that itch the little scratches in the back of our head we don't want to admit are there, you know. We didn't, nobody wants to admit they look at porn. Nobody wants to admit that they masturbate. Nobody wants to admit that they have a healthy sexual side. And until we are able to do this, there are going to be more unhealthy sexual people because people are living in shame or living with these addictions. They don't want to face them. They don't want to talk about it because they're just so embarrassed because, you know, it's being an alcoholic. I, I, I often make this joke, although it's, it's, it's not that far off. When I first went to rehab for alcoholism, and I told people I was going. It's like, oh, good job. People would pat me on the back and call me a hero. You know, they'd want to shake my hand. When I'd tell people I was going for porn addiction, they wanted hand sanitizer. Right, right. Because, because it's why nobody talks about this. And that's, that's well, really the problem is we need to talk about this in society. Absolutely. I was going to bring it up that, that that makes taking the first step towards getting uh, off it that point in this case a little harder than it would be because even heroin doesn't come with the shame or right. uh you know the looking down upon oh you're a porn addict well if you said you were a heroin addict they would be you know, get help if you say you're a porn addict most guys just can't even have the courage to say that so what is the first step then is it uh, because admitting it is hard and talking about it is hard uh how, how do how do guys get the courage or and i'm saying guys but there, there probably are some yeah. women out there oh, oh there absolutely are um what i urge everybody to do first thing is if you think you have a problem or if you know you have a problem just go and have one uh session with a therapist just to set your baseline talk to someone who's dealt with many addicts talk to somebody who's seen people like you they're not going to shame you they're not going to make you feel bad about yourself they're there to help you and they can tell you where you fall on the spectrum of addiction and they can also give you a lot of ideas specific to your community my community is horrible up here in maine when it comes to sex addicts anonymous statewide there's like four meetings a, a week so it's hard to go to them so I have to find other things to do. Well, if you're in a city like Miami or Dallas, you're going to find more of those things. So you'll find what local resources are in talking to a therapist, and you'll be able to create a strategy for fixing yourself. If even that's too much, go online, find somebody like me. And I see you got you know my things on the bottom yeah, of the screen. Uh, let's read it off so people can know what yeah, it says. It's recoveringpornaddict.com. And I have a lot of resources on that site. And what you can do is you can find people online or you can even find people at 12-step meetings or, you know, find a coach, somebody who has been through this, somebody like me who's been through recovery, who's been successful at it because I've talked to a lot of guys who have never talked to anybody about their porn addiction. And it is like a weight comes off their shoulders because for the first time they don't feel weird. You know, 
I probably saw everything that they've seen. I'm not going to judge them. And I know how much, how rough it is to go through recovery. And I know how tough it is to hide this and the shame you feel and how bad you feel about yourself and how you lie to people to get to your, you know, your drug of choice, which is porn. Um, I can relate. And that relating so many times, it's like a miracle watching it in front of you. These guys are just like, oh my God, I'm not on an island by myself. And just that little nudge of knowing that gets a lot of guys to take that next step into therapy or into 12-step groups. So either if you have if you have the ability to see a therapist, if you don't, find somebody online who you can talk to, whether it's in a chat room, whether it's on a bulletin board, whether it's a coach, and just, you know, shoot the breeze back and forth and talk about your addiction openly for the first time ever. It's the most freeing thing that I've seen a lot of guys have. Right. Well, uh, now you, you mentioned that uh, creating is becoming an addiction as well. But I don't think, at least from the one experience I've had, uh, there seems to be any shame attached with that because this guy was very proud and quick to announce that he was a sex worker, which, which shocked me, especially. And his wife sitting right next to him in the car that they're living in. And so it turned out that she actually suggested this to him, that he do, do this, which would really blew my mind. But uh, so is there that for for that addiction, the people who are creating it as an addiction, uh, is there shame? Because it, it wasn't in his case. He was damn proud of it. I, I think <laughs> there I think there probably is some depending on the person. A lot of it is young people who generally don't live shameful lives anyway, right. uh, no matter what they're doing, because they're younger. But a lot of these people are also very brand new to it. They may not be addicted to it yet. Some of them go into it, make some money and leave. They don't have they don't have any issues with it. I think we're going to see more and more issues develop. I think that it's still so much in the infancy of this that we can't measure what what's happened. We don't have enough stories of what's happened. Um, I will tell you that uh, one of these uh, women that I talked to, she doesn't mind her friends knowing, but she swears her friends to not tell her mother, father, or siblings. So there are, and why is that? Because she would be ashamed that her parents knew this is how she was making money, but it's cool for her friends. So. I think it depends upon the audience. It depends who you're talking to. Well, this uh, guy said it on, on a podcast that reaches 200,000 people a month. So, and he knew right. it. Well, and, and, again, and again, some people have no shame. And, yeah. uh, well, it, here's the thing. He told me uh, he, he has standards. <laughs> like, what freaking standards do you have? You, you know what? We, we, <laughs> we are the stories we tell ourselves. <laughs> That that blew my mind when he told me that there were standards. Now, uh, before I let you go, and I want to mention the name of the book again. You mentioned the website, recoveringpornaddict.com. The name of the book is Porn in the Pandemic, How Three Months in 2020 Changed Everything. Uh, yes. Is that available on your website, Amazon? That's, a, where- that's available. You can get it on my website. I also do link to Amazon. I did write two other books. There's a book specifically for partners, and there is my autobiography. So all three of those books are available. I also have a uh, online course for the partners of addicts and like i said i do offer coaching as well on my website i write a couple articles every week about either uh 
addiction or recovery. So if you come to recoveringpornaddict.com, you should find what you're looking for one way or another. And if you don't, drop me a line and I'll help you find it because we need to start talking about this and helping each other. Good stuff. I'll leave and the links will be in the description uh, as always for, for all of that stuff. And, and I, I encourage anybody who uh, thinks they might have a problem to, to check it check it out. Now, uh, before I let you go, I just want to get your perspective on this because I did talk about uh, the fact of legislating it out and and as I mentioned, this guy, he's he's selling online. And I asked him, like, how how you got You can't set up a website. Uh, you know, you're living homeless. You obviously don't have money for to set up a website and all this stuff. He said, no, he's doing it through one of these websites. And so my question is, first of all, are the websites that that specialize in this kind of stuff or, or dealing this stuff, are they U.S. based? And can they be because my concern here is not so much this 55 year, 56 year old guy in his car selling uh, in videos of himself playing with himself. It's it's who who he's selling to. And he doesn't know when I pressed him on the fact that if, if it could be, you know, minors and stuff, he didn't know. And so it's there. uh the question is really where you fall on this idea of legislating it and if they are on the u.s uh you know uh, the the, uh, jurisdiction of that the united states can control them in any way to make sure that this guy in his car doing this is not infecting the mind of some 12 year old girl boy whatever uh, if you follow the companies and the shell companies and the parent companies, you're almost always going to find that they are set up outside of the U.S. jurisdiction wow. um, because they don't want to, If in case there is some kind of legislation that changes. But ultimately, this is the Internet. I mean, the U.K. recently tried to institute a rule about you have to be, these sites have to make sure you're 18 or else you can't broadcast your site in the UK. Well, you know, good friggin' luck on that. Uh, with VPNs, with using, going around places, uh, you can't, it's the internet, you can't ban it. The only way that we're going to be able to take care of this as a society is through education. You know, if go, go to a fine art museum, go to their Egyptian exhibits, go look at the pottery. You're going to find some hardcore pornography painted on that po- pottery. As long as, <laughs> as long as men could paint on cave walls, we've been depicting pornography. We are sexual beings, like I said. We need to be educated sexual beings. Pornography is not going anywhere, and I think it is a complete waste of energy to try to ban it. I wasn't suggesting banning it. I'm just trying to. Well, find... a lot, of, a lot of people do, and I just shake my head and say, "I that is not realistic." Uh, yeah. We need to, we need to educate so that this kind of stuff, people know how to handle it. Right. So, so you don't see any, uh, le- because he- here's the thing now, and I wasn't aware of this till today, and I know we're over time, but I kind of want to get your perspective on this because cool. you, you're, you're the expert here. Um, if if somebody if a kid has a device, no matter what that if the parents are paying the bill, the parents are legally responsible for that. So if you if I give my kid a cell phone, I'm uh, and I'm paying the bill for it, I'm legally responsible for that. Now if a kid is underage and they take a, uh, a selfie, a naked selfie, and send it to somebody, that's considered child pornography, and they send it out, right. and the parents are then are legally responsible for child pornography. So right. are you as is the kid. Right. Are, are you in favor of any kind of legislation that kind of can, can offer any kind of protection for, on this? For, or child, for child pornography, it's already there. 
Um, you know, that, that's the thing. If you're, and, and here's what's a scary statistic is that, you know, 75% of the child pornography that's made in the world now, it's made by the children. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's not these scary people in Russia. It's your, you know, next door neighbor doing a selfie in the, in the bathroom mirror. And we have laws for that stuff. And this stuff does need to be, uh, gone after more. We do need, you know, you're, you're seeing more, uh, task force and more computer crime units in different, uh, uh, police stations, sheriff's office, state police—they are—they are getting better with that. They are catching up with the with the technology. The problem is the government and and the government agencies are all so slow on everything. I mean, walk into any government agency and see the computers they're using. It's like walking right. back into 1998. Somebody and, told me that an IRS agent I had on here told me they still were using floppy disks. And I believe it. I believe yeah. it. And the thing is, they need to catch up with technology. We most of the laws that we need exist we just need them enforced right well the thing that got me was this guy selling it from his car so uh if it's 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 on it's on the the uh site to do it at that point and most of these sites demand that you have a credit card many of them if you're going to be a model demand that you provide photo id at you know real photo so they do try to take certain steps um to to cover themselves but much like the kid who steals a playboy from the convenience store when i was 13 years old there's just so much you can do that's when the parenting comes in that's when society comes in that's when we need some overall messaging as as a human race well, well, this has been, a, a, and again, you know, I know we're just scratching the surface here. I, and I think I, I completely agree with you that education and being able to talk about this stuff is probably the healthiest way uh, uh, forward on this. Uh, it just seems like a long road to hoe. And uh, talking to you made me more of a pessimist about the future of, of the world because I do think, and this might be a discussion for another day, but I do think pornography is having a, a really detrimental effect on society, the human race in general, in how uh, men treat women, how we we treat each other. Relationships are, uh, you know, based on, like, fantasy, ridiculous fantasies, and we, we, they totally screw up our mental health uh, completely, and so we, we, created this mental uh this this rabbit hole i should say uh, of 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 a problem and i don't see much way out of it i i agree your way is probably the best way but i don't see it as being like super effective in in any short term no uh, you you, you, you unfortunately you may be right and you know i i don't share a lot of statistics anymore because i think the pandemic has killed a lot of them but the one i will share with you comes from the organization called the barna group in nine in 2017 interviewed thousands of men about pornography in the 18 to 30 year old group of males 33 percent said they either have a problem with pornography they watch too much pornography or they are actually addicted and this is 33 percent who admitted it who self-diagnosed it and this was 2017 so what happens when these guys these 30 year old guys become 40 or 50 or 60 you are talking about a very unhealthy sexual society that's only going to get worse unless we do something. And I'm out there screaming about it. I want us to be proactive uh, because a reactive society isn't isn't fighting anything. 
Well, on that note, and we do have to wrap it up here, but on that note, why don't you come, because I, I said this to a sponsor the other day, radio and, and podcasting is really radio. Uh, it works by, by repetition. So why don't you come back in like uh, six months or so and, and scream, this, scream this message out all over again. And the more we repeat it, maybe we'll make a difference. So, you know what? And I always say to people, if we can make that much of a difference in the world, then, then that's that much of a difference better. Right? Yeah. So, well, and if those people do that much, then it's this much and right. you know right. it's be at the top of the pyramid scheme i always say i appreciate your time once again let's just go, go over the urls it's recovering at pornaddict.com and the name of the book is porn in the pandemic pandemic how three months in 2020 changed everything the author's name is joshua shea all the links will be in the description joshua thank you so much for for this insightful talk i hope we we helped somebody or at least gave somebody the uh, inspiration to take the first step uh, and if not we'll come back and we'll try again absolutely thank you <laughs> so much for having me thanks have a great night bye for now this episode is brought to you by Put Me in the Story. Put Me in the Story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by VaporDNA. Founded in 2013, VaporDNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code ORIONQ. Joshua Say, everybody. Again, uh, the book's out there, the, the link to his uh, website and the link to it, the Amazon uh, place where you can where you can buy the book will also be in the description. Uh, this is, I know we I laughed a few times here. It's a very serious subject. I think there is really a, uh, a real societal problem here and we need to do something, take take a little bit of a step towards it. Uh, I'm really concerned about this whole idea of uh, people's, you know, just being able to uh, sell and produce porn at home and, and sell it online and see that as a viable, um, 
way to make a living or, you know, it's not contributing to anything to society. And I know most people don't care about that. They're thinking about the short term. I need money now. I need to support myself. But, uh, you know, sometimes it pays to just think about the, the damage that we are, are doing to mankind to our society to our culture and all that stuff that's my big takeaway again i'm trying not to be a prude here because i do uh do appreciate that you know there there's a time and place for everything try not to be a prude and i remember the days of the 80s when uh they wanted to legislate you know records labeling and all that kind of stuff explicit lyrics and thought that was just an overreach by government so i don't want to go there but uh searching for answers and i think we uh the dialogue is important i hope you enjoyed this program i hope you come back and tell your friends about it subscribe go to my youtube channel and subscribe there go to minddogtv.com uh, and get on my mailing list so you know when we're going to have great guests like this on and important uh subjects and topics and questions and comments for me info at minddog tv.com that's info at minddogtv.com who do we have tomorrow jed uh tomorrow we have meet the author with christine raymond who is a who writes historically based uh western uh romance novels that's a that's a tough one for me to say historically based western romance novels anyway that's at 1 p.m meet the author christine raymond tomorrow at 1 p.m eastern till then i'm matt napo for the mind dog tv podcast thanks for joining me tonight have a great rest of your night and bye for now Shake it down like a good girl supposed to. Come on, ride me like a wild roller coaster. My guns are loaded and I'm reaching for my holster. Come on, baby, won't you squeeze a little tighter? I wanna know if you're a screamer or a biter. All I'm looking for is a good old nighter. I go the distance like a good prize fighter. This ain't no love song. It's a let's do the nasty on the rug song. Say it, Mike. Oh, what do you mean? You know they're never playing that on the radio. Alright, let's try it again. Come on, baby, won't you kiss me like a schoolgirl? And make this old man feel like a fool, girl. Cause I know that we're breaking all the rules, girl. How about a little skinny dipping in the pool, girl? Cause this ain't no love song. Slow down there, cowboy. All I'm saying is what the heck? Do you want to have sex? I guess that's one way of putting it.
Yeah, you know what I mean, Bubba. 